okay? They are John and Priscilla Alden. Okay, John and Priscilla Alden, yes, are, they are, my grandfather's middle name is Alden, my middle name is Alden, my second oldest son's middle name is Alden, as many of you know, my oldest grandchild, his first name is Alden. Uh, it's pretty cool, and actually, there's actually an organization, get this, called Alden Kindred of America, okay, where members... Members, check this out, can learn about their lineage, get free admission to the Alden House Historical Site in Duxbury, Massachusetts. They, can di- they get discounted tickets on exclusive events and family reunions, receive exclusive newsletters and bi-monthly e-newsletters, and, and along with all that, get a 10% discount on all gift shop merchandise. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's a highlight. I'm telling you, to be an Alden is, a, is an exciting thing. Now, as exciting as all that really is, how that sounds, I really don't believe that the Alden name actually carries that much weight. I don't, th- I don't think that it, that it does. And, and probably like most of you, I don't find a whole lot of identity in that name, in the, in the Alden name. Although I must admit uh, that 10% discount kind of gets me fired up. I got to admit that at the gift shop. Uh, never been back there. I'm not even a member, but um, <laughs> that's how much I care. Because uh, the reality is possibly uh, really being a nod to a respectful family member, people's names today really don't typically uh, represent a lot about their our true identity of who they really are. Some do. What's that? Exactly. Except for the. <laughs> Except for that. <laughs> but when we name, the name that we have, a lot of us, it just doesn't really seem to have a lot of identity. So oftentimes, some others, yet in contrast, in the, in the ancient Hebrew culture, and really even in some cultures uh, today, a person's name, it really represented the very essence of who they were. Adam. Adam means Man. It means man. So in the, in the ancient Hebrew way of thinking, it really it was the essence of who that person was. Their very identity was bound up in their name. For example, we used Adam. There's Eve means the giver of life. Ruth means friend. David means beloved. De- De- Delilah means, get this, obviously, temptress. Okay? I don't think, I don't, don't name your kid that right now. Okay. Oh, it's a beautiful name. Uh, and Jesus means deliverer. So these were written, names had a lot of significance back then. In ancient in Israel, for example, the people referred to God, and we can get into the whole thing of they wouldn't say his name and all that stuff, how they did it, but his name was Yahweh. It was his proper name, which comes from the Hebrew verb to be, okay, which can also be translated as Jehovah. It's once again, it's like we talked about. It's the name that God revealed to Moses back at the burning bush when he said that, I am. You want to know who's sending you? They ask, say, I am has sent you, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. It means that he, has, he is an absolute being, okay? That he is eternal, he is sovereign ruler and the sustainer of everything. That's what his name meant. Now, 
In ancient times, to use God's name meant to address all that who he was. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, that's God. No, when you addressed God, you were, uh, you were take, in a sense, addressing every aspect of who he was. And you know what? The truth is, that should be happening today. We were never meant to not see God or address God or think about God or represent God in a way that wasn't everything that is all about who he is. Yet, really, I believe that we've gotten really far away from using God's name in that way, in a way that, that really truly honors all of who he is, the essence of who he is. But instead, I, I think we do it in a way that actually we use his name in a way that dishonors him. And not only is this unfortunate, really, it's actually dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. So this morning, in our study of the Ten Commandments, we've come to commandment number three, okay? The third commandment, which has to do with the importance of not misusing God's name, Okay? So let's look at this. It's one, it's one verse, okay? One verse. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Some of you, I have the NIV version. It says you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. So it's pretty important. I mean, I think this is one of those commandments, though, that it's easy for us to kind of just, just skim by. We really don't understand what that means. I got to tell you, in my study of this, I didn't really fully understand what, this, what was all entailed in this third commandment. It was, tip, it was one that, like you maybe, I kind of looked at and went, yeah, I, I kind of get, get that. But this is a very very important commandment. Because besides, besides Yahweh and Jehovah, we know that there were many names in the Bible that referred to God. I mean, some examples, I mean, you've, you've heard all these different names, but some examples are Almighty God, Father, Most High, Faithful, Everlasting, Healer, Provider, Creator. And that's just some of, that's just a, a small portion of the names that are in the Bible that describe who God is. And number one, on your notes there, if you're going to fill in your blanks, it's important to understand that number one, the names for God actually point to different aspects of his character and nature, the very essence of who he is. Is. So whenever you come to, and when you're reading in the Bible and there's a description of who God is, a name for God, we need to take that very seriously because that is describing who he is, the very essence of who he is. It's, it's to help us to understand who he really is. And we see this exemplified throughout the Psalms. When you read the Psalms, the Psalms are great about helping us see what God is like, who he is, and what he's done. Because the Psalms are so much all about God being revered for who he is and for what he's done. I mean, look at a couple of these. Psalm 8.1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. 
You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 66, 1 through 3 says this, shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glory and praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to who? To what? Your name. You see how important his name is. God's name is so important here. And with the coming of Jesus, we've been even given further understanding of God's character and nature. Because as we saw last week, remember we talked about the fact that Jesus is the exact image or representation of the invisible God. So we even have more understanding of his nature and character. The Bible reminds us time and time again of the importance of God's name. Therefore, it really makes sense that his name should be revered and not taken in vain. It should not be misused. And look at what he says. I hope you caught the latter part of that verse in that uh, commandment. It says, because he, he doesn't take this command lightly. Look what he says. He says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain, or the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. That kind of sounds serious to me. That sounds like God, who said these words, is not just making light of how we use his name or how we misuse his name. But what does that mean? What does it really mean to actually take the Lord's name in vain or to misuse his name? Number two on your notes, there's a whole bunch of fill-ins for number two because I just couldn't get it all boiled down because I really feel like this is what it means. It means that because of the greatness of his name, any use of God's name that brings dishonor to him, on him or on his character is taking his name in vain. It entails using or representing his name in a way that is untruthful, flippant, empty, careless, or for our own gain. I know that's a mouthful. That's what it means. And we're going to break this down a bit. But that's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain or to misuse his name. And, and, here's, and I think Jesus really alluded to this as well. Back in Matthew's gospel, it's, Jesus is recorded saying that on the day of judgment, people will give an account, and it says, for every careless word that they speak. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Every careless word. Now, this isn't a different context here, but at the same time, I believe that this is really what Jesus was probably had this in mind when he was thinking about this commandment when he said these words. Because number three on your notes, because in a sense, what comes out of our mouth points to the condition of our heart, right? What comes out of our mouth, now we're just focusing on one little aspect of it here, but it really does point to the condition of our heart. Yet, the third commandment really is about so much more than that. 
we got to know that the third commandment is so much more about dishonoring God with our words. Yes, it's true that because of his greatness, his, in, of his name, we dishonor him when we, when we carelessly speak in his name or we speak his name in either like uh, the context of swearing. That's brought up in this too, the context of, of, of swearing or by swearing by his name, I swear to God. And just using that flippantly like that, or like I said, as a swear word, or when we flippantly use phrases like, oh my God, when people say that, or praise the Lord, you know, kind of in a, just in a offhanded way, praise the Lord, or thank you, Jesus, things like that. Because of his great name, when we do things like that, that is dishonoring his incredible name. Once again, his name is to be revered because of who he is and what he has done. That's why we revere his name. It's funny because this comes to my mind. My wife and I were talking about the other day how when we lived in Europe, when we went and visited the Vatican, we were, actually we were talking about the context of how all these incredible places we visited with four little kids in tow, so we really didn't get to see a whole lot. <laughs> you know, We went to all these amazing places, Venice, you know, you know, Rome, Paris, all these places with you know, our little herd of kittens you know, with us. But I remember when we, went, when we got to the Vatican, I remember I, couldn't, I had shorts on because it was summer. And if you've been in Rome in the summer, and so I had to buy pants, but they provide these paper pants. They provide paper pants for you to buy for really cheap to put on. And it got me thinking that I couldn't even, I couldn't go into the vat. I couldn't go in there to the, to the, what was it? The Sistine Chapel. I think it was. I couldn't go in there without pants on. I thought, okay, I get that to a point. But then I was thinking, wait a second. God's name is so amazing and so awesome. I don't, I don't necessarily have to wear pants in his presence. I don't, I don't have to. But I need to, though, know how to revere him, not in ways that man makes up, like wear pants when you go into, the, into church, but it's in here. It needs, the pants didn't do anything to hear. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It all gets down to what's going on in here, Okay. We're supposed to revere his name for who he is, what he's done, not how awesome the art is around us, or not how awesome is the place that we're going to meet him, it's because of who he is. I mean, we would never, after all, um, use our spouse's name or our boss's name in some flippant or careless way, in, uh, or dishonoring way in their presence. We wouldn't do that. And that's just our spouse, not, not just our spouse, sorry. That's our spouse. <laughs> 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 oh, beautiful one. Uh, that's, um, <laughs> but this, we're talking about the God of the universe, for crying out loud. So it's important how we think about this. Yet the reality is, here, here's the thing that I want to get to, that we take the name of the Lord our God in vain, or we misuse his name in, in ways that dishonor him in many other ways as well. It's not just about what comes out of our mouth. It's just not how we say things. One way, number four on your notes is, one way we dishonor the Lord by taking his name in vain is we build up or exalt, exalt our name rather than God's name. When we exalt our name rather than God's name. You know, to exalt, to exalt means to, to elevate to a higher level or to a higher rank or give higher honor to or, or uh, give more power to or more character. It just means to lift, lift up higher. I think you know where I'm going to this. We live, don't we, in a very, very self-exalting and self-promoting society, don't we? 
Very, very much so. Just look all around. I mean, look around at the sports or entertainment world or even on social media in our own little worlds we have. We continually see athletes and celebrities and and politicians and, and even just regular folks making much of themselves, right? It's so tempting to do that because the truth is it's in our very nature to crave self-importance and self-promotion. It's in our very nature to do that, to boast about how we stand out on our own merit. That's part of our sin nature. We want to do that. We want, we want others to see us as, as an accomplished, capable, smart, and skilled person, don't we? Which really, and and you think about it, that's not, in and of itself, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, coming across that way is actually helpful when you're interviewing for a job or you're seeking to land that client or when you're one of 28 women competing for the love and affection of one man on a reality dating show (laughs) that um, none of you in this room has ever seen before. Um, But (laughs) yet yet when we make self exaltation or self, is that how you say it? Self-exaltation and self-promotion, something we continually strive for or something that we feel like we really need, we put ourselves in a dangerous place, a very dangerous place. Because we can trace this back to a long time ago. You see, the temptation towards self-exaltation and self-promotion can actually be pra- t- traced back to who? The, the, the Lucifer, the most beautiful and incredible being ever created by God. That's how he became Satan. Yeah, we can trace it back to his fall. He wanted all the glory and he wanted the honor for himself that belonged to God alone. That's how he was kicked out of heaven. And then what did he, he went on to do? He went on to tempt Adam and Eve, right? To tempt Adam and Eve, he got them when he convinced them to decide that they could run their lives independent of his oversight. Self-promotion. Once again, I, I can do this. I want, I, want to, I want to do this on my own merit. See how that's just part of who we are in our, in our sin nature. And also, it's the very thing that he tempted Jesus with in the wilderness, isn't it? When Satan came to Jesus to tempt him, it was all about self-promotion. It was all about exalting himself. It was all about, you know, hey, you deserve this. You deserve a break today. You deserve to be seen for who you really are. And so it's constant. It's constant. It's the number one tool of the enemy. Number one. You can find examples throughout the whole Bible of where self-exaltation and self-promotion happens, and it's their downfall of people. You see it all the time. One of the greatest stories, you want to go back and read it, is Nebuchadnezzar. Great story of a king who, even though he acknowledged God, he still mixed in there this, but look, check me out. And we, many of you know what happened to him. God brought him down pretty low. Number five on your notes there, in a word, to exalt oneself is all about pride. To exalt oneself is all about pride, the preoccupation with self. Jonathan Edwards said this. He said, pride is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all sins. And it's so true. 
And since we know, we talked about this, that all the Ten Commandments can be summed up, remember, by the command to love God with everything you are and to love your neighbor as yourself, we know that they can all be summed up in that. Then the reality is number six. This is another really important one. We build up or we exalt our name rather than God's name whenever we allow our pride, our preoccupation with self to elevate ourselves above others in any way, as well as forgetting there is only one who is worthy of being exalted, made much of, or boasted about. This is what it means to exalt our name rather than God's name. See how this is so much more than just saying, oh, I swear to God, or, you know, OMG. See how it's so much, that is important. But it goes so much deeper and broader than that. James, in chapter four, he wrote this. James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So good. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this. He said, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. And by the way, you can fill in whatever you want after that. Let not the beautiful person boast in their beauty. Let not the skilled person boast in their skill. Let not what, whatever it is that we find ourselves that we can go, okay, I can, I can boast in that. I'm a great teacher. I'm a great you know, worker in this area. I'm anything, anything. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And I think, really, the Apostle Paul was so good. I, Apostle Paul was the, so great about taking Old Testament thought and synthesizing it down into everyday language. Look at, how, look at what he says in 1 Corinthians. He quotes basically this verse, but look at what he synthesizes it down to. Let the one who boasts, <laughs> boast in the Lord. Pretty simple, he says. If you're going to boast, if you're going to brag, let it be in the Lord. Remember, we've talked about the other, you've seen the other stuff, you know, uh, we let, you know, humble yourselves, therefore, under God, under God's mighty hand. And in his time, he will lift you up. God will, God will exalt you in the way that you need to be exalted. God will promote you in the way you, that he feels is appropriate to promote you. Don't do it yourself. Don't seek it out yourself. It's a deadly, deadly trap that goes back to the first sin that ever happened. It's powerful. Don't get caught up in it. The reality is this, is, is, and this is why you and I were created. You and I were created for the purpose, really, of boasting in the Lord. Did you know that? That's why we're here. We are here to boast in the Lord, to lift up his name, to make his name great in our lives and in the world. Because people will be attracted to that. I mean, people aren't necessarily attracted to someone. Oh, we get attracted to celebrity, don't we? We get attracted to gifted people. But then after a while, we realize, ah, that's not fulfilling to me. That's not taking care of my needs. I've still a hole there. 
But when people see us lifting up the name of God's name and the name of Jesus and how that impacts our life, they just go, what? Especially when we do that in the midst of difficult times when life goes sideways and we're saying, praise, we're saying, praise God. And we're not just saying, oh, praise God. No, we're saying, literally, I am praising God for my situation because I know he is so much and he is so in control and he is so great. That just baffles people's minds. Absolutely baffles them. And that's what he's talking about here. It's like it because really it makes sense then that since this is why we're recreated, it makes sense that this is where we would find our purpose. This is where we would find our identity. Yet our sin nature says, find your identity in what you do well. Find your identity in what people say about you. Find your identity in how things are working out. And if they're working out well, things must be, you must be a good person. That's that lie. That's that little lie. Not that things shouldn't be going good. Not that, not that we can't have good things. Not that we can't say anything nice. Yeah, I'm never talking about myself again. That's not what he's saying here. It's that sin of getting trapped. It's that trap of getting caught in that sin. So that's the first way. That's the first way. We could go on for about that. We're going to go to the, we just have two today. Here's another one. Number seven. We take the name of the Lord our God in vain or misuse his name and therefore just honor him. Is when we do that is when we claim his name but act or live in a way that is inconsistent with his character or even the work in our lives. Okay, it's important because this, this is so important. We think, you know, so often that I prayed a prayer I go to church. I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. Heck, I've served. I've ministered. Heck, I've even taught and all that stuff. But remember what Jesus said? Remember what Jesus said? Remember in Matthew, he says this. Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's not talking about people that are like on the out. These are people that everybody probably thought, oh, they're in. <laughs> These guys are in. He says... Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty things in your name and preach from the pulpit in your name and give tons of money in your name and speak about you at conventions and talk about you at work and hold a Bible study at my house and hold a Bible study at work and, and even witness to people and tell people how to become a Christian and come along people and pray a prayer with them. Didn't we do all that? And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's some harsh words. Some harsh words. But this is what he's talking about. This is how powerful a third commandment is. This is what he's talking about here. Is the reality is that we can check all the boxes for what we believe, this is what I believe a Christian is supposed to be. And this is, how I'm supposed to this is how I'm supposed to serve the Lord. But here's the thing. If our lives aren't continually being changed and molded into the image of Jesus as we live obedient to his word, we are actually dishonoring God's name. Wow. Is that convicting or What? We can think we're doing all the right stuff. 
But if there isn't change, I'm not talking every day that you wake, oh man, I can tell I'm even a better Christian than yesterday. No. <laughs> it's because we're in the word, because we have people in our life that encourage us, because we see our life as we have mission and purpose to reach our, our, our friends and our neighbors and coworkers for Christ, because we know why we're here, we have purpose. Because we know why we're here, we can, we can actually, we're actually living out our faith. We're actually living obedient lives. That's what he's talking about here. That's what this whole commandment is about. That's why it's so important not just to know, and this is what's so wrong about the Christian faith, it's so important not to just know a lot about God and a lot about the Christian faith and a lot about what it means to be obedient to God. That's not where, that's not, that's not enough. That is not enough. We need to know not just a lot about God, but we need to know him intimately and to continually be learning about his character and about his nature, nature so that we truly can be obedient. My friends, we cannot be obedient to the Lord if we are not intimate with him. We can't. We're fooling ourselves. I've been a Christian for so long. I even serve now in the church. doesn't matter. If we're not changing and being molded into the image of Christ, experiencing the, oh, that goes along with that and the struggle and the, and the battle of, and, and, and seeing a sense that, and falling deeper in love with Jesus. If that's not happening, we are, we are disobeying the third commandment but we're also not enjoying the life of a believer and a follower of Jesus. We're just playing the game. And that's miserable. That's just guilt. <laughs> guilt upon guilt. I don't want that. And I know you don't either. In speaking um, to uh, the followers in, in Rome about this very thing, what does it mean to live as a follower of Jesus. Look what Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. He says, and Dwayne actually brought this verse up yesterday in our discussion time. says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means more than, oh, I prayed a prayer. That's not what that means. Okay, be transformed by the renewing of your mind by testing that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what does it mean? What does it mean that we're, we're to be like this, we're to be living sacrifices? What this means is we are continually to allow ourselves to be transformed, changed, not by the world, not by the world's standards, but by God's word, by his word, which, until, uh, which in turn allows us to discern how to live for him. Does this make sense? Isn't it so easy for me? I know it is for me to rest back on my laurels of all that I know about God and all that I know about being a Christian and about being obedient. It's a trap. That's very Star Wars right there. It's a true. <laughs> it is. Into thinking that I know a lot because Satan says, no, you're, you're okay. You're, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. But in turn, we're dishonoring God's 
name. When I'm claiming to be a disciple of Christ, I'm saying I'm a disciple of Christ, but I'm not living it. I'm not living it out. What this means, we're continually to be transformed. Okay, remember we talked about this as we close here. We talked about the Ten Commandments are meant to show us a way to live. Remember, it's freedom. It's all about freedom. The Ten Commandments are about freedom, about freedom from relying on anything, anything other than a perfect and loving God for our security, for our significance, and for our purpose. You see, when we obey the third commandment to not take the Lord our God's name in vain or to not misuse his name, we are, we are actually freeing ourselves from not only the pride that comes from relying on our own merits, okay, on all that we can do, or our self-importance for our security, and for our significance, and for our purpose in life. But we're also freeing ourselves. We're absolutely freeing ourselves from living out, in our faith, living out our faith in a way that actually dishonors God. That's why this, this, this is such an important commandment. And the last thing, last thing on your notes there, number eight, we obey the third commandment when we fully honor God's name by speaking of and representing him accurately, thoughtfully, decisively, reverently, and worshipfully. That is how we obey that command, this commandment. I know, easier said than done. That's why you can't fake it. You cannot fake commandment number three. <laughs> you just can't. It has to be done in authenticity. It has to be done by someone of the Spirit of God living in their lives and someone who's fully committed to say, I want you to be, you're on the throne of everything. It's the only way we can. John Calvin wrote this. He said, we ought to be so disposed in mind and speech that we never think nor say anything concerning God and his mysteries without reverence and much soberness. Then in estimating his works, we conceive nothing but what is honorable to him. And that goes beyond what we just say. The power of this commandment, the power of the third commandment is that it helps us to never, ever forget the privilege and the responsibility that comes with being a person who bears the name of Jesus. That's what the third commandment does. What a privilege it is. What a responsibility it is to bear the name of Jesus, the one who is the exact image and representation of God. A couple questions. Let's talk about this a little bit. I got a few for you. This, the first one's just kind of a quickie off the top of your head, if you can think of, won't spend much time. Of the different names for God that point to his character and nature that you know of or you can remember, which one or ones resonate with you most? Which ones resonate? If you can just think of one offhand, a name that you can remember. It might, have been, it might have been one of the ones that I just read. I read off as well at the beginning. Is there any that just kind of resonate with you when you think of God's name that come to your mind? What's that? Kinsman Redeemer. Kinsman Redeemer. That's, that's awesome. Yes. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yes, please. Emmanuel. Yeah. Yes. Faithful and, true. Faithful and true. Yes. So good. Anybody else? Yeah, Paul. 
All-consuming fire, yeah. I have on mine, um, I know for me, the one that stands out is provider. That stands out, really stands out for me. He provides me with everything I need. And there's, there's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna leave me hanging. So that's a big one. Yeah, Buck. Friend. Friend. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Question number two. What are some ways we can be tempted to exalt, to exalt or self-promote our name rather than God's name? What are some ways that we can be tempted to exalt or self-promote our name rather than God's name? Yes. Yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, this talent. This is I developed this talent. It's mine. But not acknowledging God in it. Yeah, great one, Dave. What else? Yes, I'm good. I'm good at this. Yep. Look where I am. Yeah, the position. That's a great one. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah. If you want to stay in that mode, just keep having children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just have one, then you'll and you'll see. One is enough. Yeah. I wrote down um, just simple things like one that struck me: make sure that others aware of my accomplishments. Not necessarily bragging, but it's easy to sneak those bad boys in there every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did. I went to grad school. You really? <laughs> That's a, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a good one, Buck. Yeah. Yeah, Sue. Oh, huge. You're talking my language now. You're, that's, my, that's my world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Pastors are notorious for being very humble about promoting how huge their church is or how successful <laughs> or whatever. They would never come out and say, well, hey, we got, but yeah, it's, t- it's a tough one, yeah. Was there, Joe? <laughs> good one, Joe. Good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I put I, another one that struck me was keeping conversations focused primarily on us. You know how you've seen that before? You're talking with someone and the the conversation is completely one-sided. They never ask you about you. They never are engaged in your and and you just go. And I think it's and it's usually not purposeful. It's just kind of the way it goes so often. And, um, and another one that I, that I know for me is, is one way is by failing to listen to the Spirit as He directs my conversations. You know, how I see it as just needing to do small talk here or just whatever, but forgetting, you know what, every single conversation I have with believers or non-believers, I need to be listening for the Spirit of God to be directing that because I get so caught up in how can I make this conversation stimulating. That's my trap, because I hate small talk. So how can I make this good? 
instead of thinking, wait, there could be a, there probably is a spiritual element here that I need to be aware of, uh, believers or non. Okay, third one. What are some ways we can guard against exalting or self-promoting our name rather than God's name? This is the flip side of that one. What are some ways we can guard against exalting or self-promoting our name rather than God's name? Yep. Yeah. 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 Great one. Great one, Veronica. Yeah. Um, because the way that is steered is to see all your likes, so see yourself, your own page. And mm-hmm. like, for me, this week this has been hard. I decided to just take down my Robin Chan's <coughs> website because <coughs> the name is my name, and I'd rather be somehow figuring out something and how to reflect the Lord, even though it's my my work, but um, just taking my name out there. Yeah, that's a good one. I, it's funny you say that because I wrote ask myself, how might, be able, how might I be able to exalt or elevate God's name in this conversation or this post? Or could I be misusing God's name in any way in either of these? Easy to do. Anything else you can think of? Yeah. I love that, uh, Nelson. That's so great. It's like always keeping who he is and who we are in relation to him, right? That's, yeah. And that's, that's through intimacy, like you said. That's great. Yeah. Anybody else on that one? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So hard. That's so hard. And I think that gets back to what Dev, uh, but Nelson, not Devin, Nelson just, you're, the, you're one. What Nelson, <laughs> what, what Nelson said, yeah, about really being intimate with God and that helping us to then, we, under, we know where we stand. We know who we are then better. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add on to that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Go on. <clears throat> There's a great um, quote by Bruce Lipton that Great. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Yeah, so much of it is a mind, how we think, right? Yeah, how we think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once again, that's perspective, isn't it? That's so good. So good. Yeah. Please. Joy life so easily. 
Yeah, that's great. And in a day and age of social media, that just becomes even harder, doesn't it? It just kind of gets all convoluted and, and all that. But that's, that's so good. Because the other thing I said about that whole idea was before or during a conversation or a social media post, ask myself, am I allowing my pride, my preoccupation with myself to drive this conversation or to drive why I post this? And once again, it gets back to, I just want to share this because I'm excited about it. But yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and there was a quote that I didn't put in there. Someone I read this week that said something about many times people are only saying things because they have few things to say or something like that because it's the only thing rattling around in their head or something like that. Just, or they have prideful things to say. That's all that's in their head. So, yeah. That's good. Wait. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Yeah, and not getting into the point like the next to you saying, you know, I don't want to feel guilty about this, but you're right, checking. I like that. I love that. I love that, checking ourselves. Yeah, Dwayne. Yeah, exactly. one last question I don't want you to answer. I just want you to think about real quick uh, what might be some habits. This is something to take home with you. What might be some habits you need to begin or stop in order to help you go beyond simply knowing a lot about God and the Christian faith to being continually molded into the image of Jesus and to be transformed by the power of God's word? What are some habits that maybe you need to start or stop? I think a lot of times we, we separate what we want to do and how we want to be with how we need to get there, what we need to do in order to get there. And we forget that God provides strength and grace to be the people that he wants us to be. So it's a good challenge for especially as we now go into, into communion. Um, I would encourage you to take this time, and the band is going to come up, and what they're going to do, there's going to be an instrumental time during communion. Uh, once again, Give Me Jesus will be, the lyrics will be up on the screen. If you want to sing them to yourself, uh, sing them, whatever you want to do, it's just your time. That's where you can be doing that for the three or four minutes. As you, and then as you come up, you can come up and take communion that represents the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. Once again, this is for those who have committed their lives to Jesus being on the throne, to say, I want to honor God with not only my words, but with my life. I can't do it, 
without his life-transforming power. And we do this to remember what he did for us, not just to save us from our sin, which is huge, but to empower us to live an obedient life and a life that pleases him and is joyful to live. So we want to encourage you, you can come as, as you want. You can take communion up here. Uh, as when you get it, take it back to your seat and just be contemplative, however you would like to do that. But this is a time between, between you and God and remembering what Christ has done um, and wants to continue to do in our lives. Um, I forgot to mention that this is our time. We're not doing...